Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's the deal with Velcro? Just like what's, just like what's the deal? And this is Unfeatured Articles. Welcome, everybody, to Unfeatured Articles, the uh, podcast where we dive into Wikipedia and find some, uh, find some ridiculous stuff, some very in-depth stuff, find some obscure stuff, and uh, we bring it to the table and we all have a chat about it. That's I'm, right. Uh, I'm Riley McNamara, joined as ever by my uh, good friends and co-hosts, Curtis Lang. Hello, hello. And James Kehoe. It's a pleasure. How are we, boys? Very well. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good today. I am the ghost of Curtis Lang. How are you, Curtis? How are you holding up? I feel real rough, boys. Oh no. It's been a it's been a big week, big week boys, hasn't it? Big night in the valley last night for this boy. Oh. Um, yeah. Just uh Well done, my young Padawan. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I um clearly taking being single very well. Yikes. <laughs> oh, my dude, my here, friend. Here we go. The Relationship Counseling Podcast. Here, yeah, this is guys. here we are to help you out out of your your rut, out of your stupor. Stupor. Nothing energizes you quite like doing a podcast with your friends. I'm ready, boys. Let's yeah, do there it. There we go. There yeah. he is. There's my good friend, Curtis I'm Lyle. so ready. Yeah. I might talk about my article first. Oh, please, please and do. And then Stop remain it. mysteriously quiet for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, when I do mine, you'll butt in. It's yeah, fine. all right. Um, boys, I'm going to talk about uh, a subgenre oh, no. of um, literature. Okay. Um, and then specifically an example of that. Literature. Cool. Um, So the subgenre is flash fiction. Um, And flash fiction is a fictional work of extreme brevity that still offers character and plot development. Oh, okay. I just had the Flash Gordon song from Queen. Flash. That's the one. It's that. It's just that. Yeah. It's just all that written over and over and over again. So is this is the kind of thing I'm thinking of like... um, Hemingway's uh, Baby Shoes. Yep. Little- yep. That's literally oh, this what you're doing. Oh, do. no. yeah. Well done. You've cucked Curtis Lang. There you go. Yeah. Um, uh, Tell so, the rest yeah. of the people, Curtis. Uh, identified varieties of the uh, flash fiction subgenre. Uh, many of them are defined by word count, uh, include the six word story, the 280 character story, also known as Twitterature. Sure. Oof. Uh, the dribble. Also known as the mini saga, so fifty words. The drabble, also known as microfiction, a hundred words. Sudden fiction, seven hundred fifty words. Flash fiction, a thousand words. Nanotale and micro story. How, so, hang, hang on, how does yeah. how does microfiction allow more words than mini fiction or whatever the fuck you first said? I don't know. I'm, I I didn't come up with these. Right? Okay. Words, I'm not. I'm, I'm not in charge of literature. Yeah, I'm not the world's leading expert in literature. I'm going to be very snappy today. Don't question me. I don't know why I made friends with you then. (laughs) Some commenters have suggested that flash fiction possesses a unique literary quality and its ability to hint at or imply a larger story. Mm. So, as James said, um, I am going to talk about a specific example 
of that. Mm. Uh, it is the six-word story, the most famous example of it, and it is the story goes thus. For sale, baby shoes, never worn. Fuck. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Mm. It is the entirety of what is uh, so it's been described as a six-word novel because of this idea that it it, it hints at this much larger story, yeah, and you, you immediately yeah. get the context you, of the situation. Your mind just fucking runs wild. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Um, making it an extreme example of what is called yeah flash fiction. Mm. Although it is often attributed to the Ernest Hemingway, the link to him is unsubstantiated, and similar stories predate him. Oh, for real? So yeah. Oh wow. Huh. So yeah. Um, common misconception. There you go. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's been very influential. I remember, like, um, I did a minor of creative writing as mm. part of my degree at um uni, and um, in like a number of uh classes when they they when they get talking to you about like an extreme example of um short fiction or yep. a short story, they often talk about this. Mm. Um, yep. it's 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 very very famous and like uh a base writing example. Yeah. yeah. I enjoy that there is an entire like subgenre of fiction that is like so based around brevity and so based yeah. around doing so much with so little, mm. um, which I think is like really cool and really cool that, that it incorporates like Twitter and stuff like that. Cause yeah. I, I think that is a really cool example of like using restraints and lo- using constrictions yeah. to like, develop something really, really cool. It forces you to do the bare minimum, but yeah. by yeah. doing the bare minimum, you can, achieve so much not necessarily but like you have the opportunity to actually achieve more Mm. than um waffling on for yeah exactly yeah seven books right about a boy wizard um i love love it (laughs) how dare you sorry i mean you know we we have about five minutes of actual good podcast but we still do it for like an hour oh yeah yeah. we should do a flash podcast just do a flash podcast here we go welcome to the show and i'm doing this article and that's the show (laughs) we've got flash fiction james what have you got i've got this one and now i've got this one i don't want to spoil mine yeah Yeah, no (laughs) you gotta wait another another five minutes to hear james oh boy oh god (laughs) (laughs) an eternity (laughs) yeah tell us more about um the the non-hemingway Hemingway. why do people think it's The claim of Hemingway's authorship originates in an unsubstantiated anecdote about a wager between him and other writers. Mm. In a 1992 letter to Canadian humorist John Robert Colombo, science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke recounts it thus. While lunching with friends at a restaurant variously identified as uh, La Chow's or the Algonquin, Hemingway bets the table $10 each that he can craft an entire story in six words. After the pot is assembled, Hemingway writes, for sale, baby shoes, never worn on a napkin, and passes this around the table and collects his winnings. Hmm. So that's an anecdote from um, Arthur C. Cl- yeah, from Arthur C. Clarke. So, um, but it's not, it's not proven. Right. As, as, yeah. as, as it's stated, um, similar stories predate mm. the, uh, the um, circulation of this one. Mm. Um, Do we have any examples of those? Yeah, so uh, when was Hemingway around? Hemingway, it's a real good question. The past, yes. It was the early. It was the early twentieth century, wasn't it? Um, I really don't know enough about Ernest Hemingway. He was born in eighteen ninety nine and died in nineteen sixty one. So yes. Hmm. Um. The 
Very handsome man, by the Very way. Very handsome man. Ernest Hemingway? Yeah. Uh, the May 16, 1910 edition, so Hemingway would have only been 11 here, edition of the Spokane Press had an article titled, Tragedy of Baby's Death is Revealed in Sale of Clothes. At that time, Hemingway would have only been aged 10 and years away from beginning his writing career. Mm. In 1917, William R. Kane published a piece in a periodical called uh, The Editor, where he outlined the basic idea of a grief-stricken woman who had lost her child and even suggested the title of Little Shoes Never Worn. In his version of the story, the shoes are being given away rather than sold. He suggests that this would provide some measure of solace for the seller as it would mean that another baby would at least benefit directly. Mm. Um, By 1921, the story had already been parodied in the July issue of Judge that year, published a version uh, that used a baby carriage instead of shoes. There, however, the narrator described contacting the seller to offer condolences, only to be told that the sale was due to the birth of twins rather than a single child. (laughs) I like that. I like that. That's a much nicer outlook. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's got a, yeah, the, the legacy of, uh, the general concept of telling a story with the absolute minimum of words became known by the general term of flash fiction. As a, as I said, mm-hmm. the six word limit in particular has spawned the concept of six word memoirs, including a collection published in book form in 2008 by Smith magazine and two sequels published in 2009. Wow. So yeah, um, flash fiction. Yeah. I think it's, it's really cool. There's, um, there's a, there's a lot of, um, examples. Online, and I would I'd say if you like if you like a good story, absolutely go have a have a gander at that. Yeah. Try and find it somewhere. I'm yeah, gonna shut up now. <laughs> I'm gonna go to sleep. Okie dokie. <laughs> See you. You mate. gonna go, James? I would love to go. I'm Rock gonna talk about sex robots. Oh, yes. No. <laughs> Yay. Sex robots or sex bots are anthropomorphic robot sex dolls. As of 2018, although elaborately instrumented sex dolls have been created by a number of inventors, no fully functioning sex robots exist. Sorry, fellas. That was my only hope. Yep. The only <laughs> thing getting me through this day. Single and ready to mingle. Mm, with some sexy robots. Some sexy robots. God damn it. Um, so as far back as the 17th century... Uh, the sex robot has evolved from sex doll precursors. They stem back to the 17th century. In the 17th century, Dutch sailors created hand-sewn masturbation puppets made of cloth, <laughs> leather, and old clothes. Oh, God. Many scholars consider this creation to be the direct predecessor of modern sex dolls. Much of the inspiration for creating the modern sex doll came from the mannequin-based art created by Man, Dra- Man Ray and Salvador Dali. Mm. We got Dali to thank for this one. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Man Ray claimed that surrealists, including himself and Dali, infused their work with eroticism and personally violated their mannequins. Hmm. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) For example, Dali's rainy taxi centered on a female mannequin whose half-undressed body was crawling with live snails. Oh, God. This is the history of sex robots, folks. Um... In 1968, sex dolls were first advertised in pornographic magazines and became available for purchase via mail. These were inflated with air, consisting of penetration areas at the mouth, vagina, and anus. Anus. <laughs> anus. Anus. Oh, no. Um, oh, however, God. due to their inflatable no. nature, these dolls were subject to deterioration and were not sustainable for constant use. But by the 1970s, Materials such as latex and silicone were widely used in the manufacturing of sex dolls to facilitate enhanced durability and a greater resemblance to a human. Um, so let's go to some 
predictions. Let's okay. look forward. Okay, let's go. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, in 2014, David Levy, the chess champion and author of Love and Sex with Robots, I guess. The chess champion. I guess he's those both of those things. The chess oh, sure. champion. He's a chess champion and he writes about sex with robots. I mean. I'm not the most surprised. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Rough. <laughs> Coming for the chess masters in the audience. Jesus. Mm. So he said in an interview with Newsweek that I believe that loving sex robots will be a great boon to society. There are millions of people uh, out there who, for one reason or another, cannot establish good relationships. He estimates that this will take place by the mid-21st century. Prototypes are being created that imitate human warmth. In 2017, MIT Ooh. Press published the first book on the topic, Robot Sex, with a preliminary approach to the several challenges this field represents for human beings and societies. Um, realization. So there are ongoing attempts to make sex dolls socially interactive. Oh my God. In 2010, a sex doll called Roxy that had the capacity to play back pre-recorded speech cues was demonstrated at a trade show. In 2015, Matt McMullen, the creator of the real doll stated that he intended to create sex dolls with the capability to hold conversations. Sex bots with a male design may be referred to as male bots or man bots. That sentence doesn't really seem to have much to do with the rest of the paragraph at all, but if you wanted to know what the men are going to be called. Good eh? Yep. Man bot. Man bot. <laughs> Barcelona based. Original. Dr. Sergi Santos developed sex robot Samantha. <laughs> the robot can switch between a sex setting, which can include Samantha simulating an orgasm, and a family mode. What? <laughs> <laughs> Fun for the whole family. Fun for the whole family. It can tell it can tell jokes and discuss philosophy. But you flip that switch. Are you making that shit up or is that actually no, what it's it real? Fuck that. No. Why? Discuss philosophy. <laughs> discuss philosophy. That's mm, for the fucking sex robot. <laughs> Father. <laughs> Why does this thing exist? I don't know, darling. Let's ask, let's the, ask, uh, let's ask the machine that my jizz is currently dribbling out of. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Thanks for Fucking that. Fucking hell. Thanks for that one, Curtis. Uh, in 2017. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, no, sorry. Oh, yeah, 2017. Matt McMullen. Back again. Classic Matt McMullen. Critters. What would we do without him? Yeah, right? Where would we be? Absolutely. This balance. article would be nothing. Matt McMullen created a sex doll called Harmony, which has the capacity or the capability of learning about the preferences, wants, and desires of their owner. Furthermore, Harmony can smile, blink, and frown in a nearly human-like fashion. I hate that. She can hold a conversation with you, tell jokes, remember your food preferences, and the names of your siblings. Why does it need to remember food preferences? Is it going to prepare food for you? I just wonder why it sounds unsanitary. Guys, guys, I've got an idea. Um... Talk to actual women. Hey, that's an idea. That's a concept. I think the the knowing the names. Okay, so it says specifically knowing the names of your siblings. That's weird. Which Why is, though? So like, kinky. Giving robots no. the ability to call out the wrong name during sex is like not why would the you, top why would of my you, priority. Why would you give them, but then specifically siblings. Your siblings. Siblings. Kinky. The cost of harmony is said to be roughly fifteen thousand dollars. 
During an on-stage interview with Engadget in 2018, Mac McMullen demonstrated that the skin on Harmony's face could be peeled no, off no, and replaced, no. replaced with different skin. No. This is Silence of the Lambs. This is Silence of the Lambs now. He subsequently added a different coloured wig and changed her personality by using the app on his handhold device that controls the robot. He named this sex doll Solana and considers it to be the sister of Harmony. <sighs> There's a lot of opposition. There are paragraphs and paragraphs about people who are opposed to all of this. I can't imagine why. Yeah, though. right? It seems pretty uh, pretty uh, reasonable. Uh, the sex robots that have been created as of 2018 sorry, primarily resemble women with exaggerated characteristics. Kathleen Richardson argues that these sex robots facilitate a powerful attitude towards women's bodies as commodities and promote a non-empathetic interaction. I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah, I think so too. Fair. Yeah. Uh, experts argue that improving the gender diversity of those involved in developing this sex technology could help reduce possible harm, such as the objectification of women. I would love to see the statistics for how many women are involved yeah, in this. Yeah, right? Because it's probably one. Do you guys want to talk about the potential benefits of sex robots? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're going to anyway. All right, here we go. So proponents of sex robots believe that sex robots have the potential to provide a valuable service for people who are elderly or disabled and provide them with emotional support, Uh say, for example, when the spouse of an elderly person dies. Okay, I get that. I get it. Furthermore, scholars such as Hajar... That's not why they're making okay. it. Okay? No, that's not why they're making it. It's like, yeah, but what about this? But that's not why you're that's, making yeah, it, that's you not crazy the fuck. You pervert. Furthermore, scholars such as Hajat Abdullahi argue that these robots can act as robot companions that aid elderly people with dementia or depression. They didn't have to be very sexy though, did they? For that. Yeah, no. They like, could just be they could just be fucking robot dogs for that, couldn't yeah, exactly. they? Didn't have to be robot sexy women. Doesn't have to give it penetration yeah. zones. <laughs> Um, this is all about elderly people. It found that elderly individuals were interested in having a robot as their companion and their interest did not decay over time. He further explains that these patients establish meaningful rapport with the robot companion and that they greatly value the presence of the robot. The robot companion Paro uh, has been used since 2009 as a therapeutic machine for the elderly. Now it seems like this one isn't a sex robot, which I'm wondering why it's been included in this because Paro, oh wait, no, never mind. Yeah, so Paro was not designed to be a sex robot specifically, but Paro is an example of how intelligent machines could become a suitable, suitable therapeutic option. So I think the benefits are more like robot companions. All right, well, we could do that and not. I'm happy sex to do robots. that. I'm happy to have oh, robot companions. What if it all? Old lonely no, old bloke. Don't do yeah. it. He gets his rocks off. Mm. He can do that too, I guess. I don't know. The ethics on this are a bit... Uh, a bit iffy. Yeah. bit, bit in the, the grey I... area, really. <laughs> Zane is cackling like a madman. Yeah. <laughs> He's enjoying this one. We're talking about <laughs> sex <laughs> robots. Well, of course we're uncomfortable. Zane says we look uncomfortable. Yes, of course we're uncomfortable. We're three dudes talking about sex robots. Anyway, uh, I'm going to wrap this up, but it seems like there's a link to agalmatophilia. Sorry. Which I don't know what that is, but let's find out. It is paraphilia involving sexual attractions to a statue, doll, mannequin, or other similar figurative object. Okay. There you go. Okay. Well, there you go. That's a bit of that. Mm, all right. For my sex robots. Kinky. Going to Pound Town. Oh, no. On my toaster. 
Where's the name of the episode? Why, why though? <laughs> Riley. <laughs> Riley McNamara. All right. So this actually segues strangely well into what I'm going to talk about, <laughs> um, particularly the... Uh, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to jump in. Just come I'm going to talk it. about Coro, uh, which is a culture-specific delusional disorder in which an individual has an overpowering belief that one's genitalia most commonly penis, are retracting and will disappear <gasps> despite any actual evidence of that actually happening. Okay. So it's a cultural phenomenon? It's a cultural phenomenon. Um, so Coro is also known as shrinking penis syndrome and is listed in Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders. The syndrome occurs worldwide and mass hysteria of genital shrinkage anxiety has a history in Africa, Asia, and Europe. In the United States and Europe, the syndrome is commonly known as genital retraction syndrome. The condition can be diagnosed through psychological assessment along with physical examination to rule out genuine disorders of the genitalia that could actually be retracting. Certainly. I'm convinced that's why they put the little measuring tapes in condom packets. <laughs> um, so, so That's I, definitely why. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, got to be it. Reason. It's a Surely. Yeah, mental health area. Um, so most patients re- report acute anxiety attacks due to perceived uh, genital retraction and or genital shrinkage um, despite the like despite any actual visible evidence that it is happening. Um, uh, yeah, any l- long-standing evidence. Long-standing refers to changes to the standard over a significant period, obviously, and do not appear reversible, unlike the effect of cold temperatures on huh. some genital regions. Um these changes may trigger a coro attack when observed, although the effects of cold temperature are objectively reversible. Um, according to literature, episodes usually last for quite a few hours, um, though the duration may be as long as up to two days. Whoa. So you can have a solid couple of days where you're like, no, it, it, it's getting smaller. It's going in. It's going in. It's, it's going backwards. An it's innie. going backwards. <laughs> um, there's a, there are cases in which coro symptoms persist for years like in a, in a chronic state. Oh my gosh. Um, indicating a potential comorbidity with uh, body dysmorphic disorder. Mm. Um, um, in addition to retraction, there can be other symptoms such as like a, ch- a, a p- changed perception of the shape of it or um, loss of muscle tone. Loss of penile muscle tone is oh, the okay. exact wording. Huh. Um, Got to do those dick reps. Yeah. Get that muscle tone. Get them, get them push-ups. Mm. Um, oh yeah, yeah. No handed push-ups. No hand push-ups. Common, common uh, cure for this is no handed push-ups. <laughs> yep. That's okay. It. <laughs> and that's the whole article. That's the whole article. <laughs> uh, no, in cases where sufferers have no perception of retraction, some patients may complain of uh, genital paresthesia parath- or shortening paresthesia. Um, so paresthesia is like tingling, tickling, numbness, or burning. Um, among females, it can happen as well. Um, symptom of nipple retraction in the breast. Ah. Um, so that would be, you know, obviously quite disconcerting. Um, so the main causes for it. Yeah. Um, psychosexual conflicts, personality factors, and cultural beliefs are considered to be of... <laughs> so it's a bit of a mind game. Yeah, it's 100% a mind game, I believe. Um, mm. et- etiology? Etiology? Etymology? E-T-I-O-L-O-G-Y. Etiology. Etiology? Sure. I don't know. That word. Um, It's the study of causation or or origination. Yeah, cool. Thank you, Ah. Curtis. Um, So 
sex, sexual adjustment histories of non of non Chinese victims. That's a okay. Here we go. Um, sexual adjustment histories of non-Chinese victims are often significant, such as pre-morbid sex inadequacy, uh, sexual promiscuity, guilt over masturbation, and impotence. Um, ah. And uh, so mechanisms. When considering the biological mechanisms and evolution history of Coro, uh, it's important to look at the larger framework of mass hysteria. Um, while the underlying mechanisms are still like not very well understood, it's been suggested that the mirror neurons play a major role in it. Um, so mirror neurons, which have been found in humans and non-human primates, are neurons mm. that fire when one performs an action when they observe another individual performing the same action. Mm. So I guess it's kind of like, um, you know, if you, if you go out in the valley, like you go out dancing and it's like, <laughs> or if you're at a gig or something, it's it's so much easier to be not the first person up dancing around and stuff. Like yeah. As soon as other people are there, it's, it's kind of like, okay, well, cool. Yeah. Um, I guess that I guess it's that kind of thing. And then mm. there's the the, the um, bloody dancing syndrome. Did you bring the dancing thing in? Oh yeah, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. On Sam's episode. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so dancing it, plague it, of the dancing plague. That's yeah, the one yeah. of yeah. fifteen eighty two. I think it was. So I, I guess it's probably similar-ish to that. Mm. Similar kind of course to that. Um, there are, there are several criteria typically used to make a diagnosis of coro. Um, primary criteria is a patient's report of genital retraction um, despite a lack of any evidence stating or any evidence confirming this sure uh, accompanied by severe anxiety relating to the retraction fear of death as a result wait of for real? yeah apparently fear of, <laughs> like apparently fear of death as a result of retraction is a definite thing that some people go through damn who have this yeah um, so cases that don't meet all the requirements are generally classified as coro-like and given a diagnosis of partial coro syndrome. Hmm. Um, I don't know why there needs to be like a partial. Yeah, right. Like, like it, is, it doesn't exist anyway, right? Like well, I mean, the disorder exists, but it's not like. Oh, I see. Physically, it, it does. It's not it's not, it, physically, yeah. it's not a thing. Um, well, I guess that's the whole thing is it is a um, psychological disorder, I guess you would class it as. Sure, yep. Um, because, yeah, nothing's actually changing. Mm. you're just perceiving that it is or you've just got this like overwhelming feeling of it changing. That your dick is getting a bit smaller. Yeah. That's... Uh... <laughs> yeah. That's just, the... wanted, just wanted to make sure... That's the long and short of it, yeah. I guess. Hey, a tish. You're not the only one who can make puns. <laughs> People just laugh at yours. <laughs> 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 Any more on, on, on this um, disorder? So that's pretty odd. Um, bit of history about it when was the first reported case that would be oh yeah that would be a good thing out. to find let me find that uh i do okay. like our silence podcast yeah. it's great it's four minutes we could have cut it out 30. but but you then had to reference the fact that we had a silence just now so so i guess that's kind of in it it's all right we're here now it's locked in just we're gonna have some it. silence oh. Um, okay, so don't be silent. I'll call you out. Well, I haven't noticed you've uh, shut up for once in a while, mate. I'm very ill. <laughs> uh, my own doing. I admit we, it. We uh, we respect that you'll come here to still do, still put in the hard yeah, yards. Yeah, you've rocked up. Good, so, good on up. you, Curtis Lang. Thank you. Okay, so indigenous treatment um, is one of the more interesting things on here in China. Traditional treatment based on the causes suggested by cultural beliefs are administered to the patient. Praying to gods and asking Taoist priests to perform exorcism is common. 
Uh, if mm. a fox spirit is believed to be involved, people may hit gongs or beat the person uh. to drive it out. Not in the typical manner of uh, beating a person, I would imagine. Oh. Oh. Um, or maybe yes, I don't know. No, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking I'm I, I'm tipping they should wake him off. Yeah, well I don't know. They oh, might. Like that. No, I they thought might. like pinata style. Yes, yeah, I, I I think that's the. I, oh, I, I see. I think they go to town on him with some baseball bats, and then he's got bigger problems to worry about. So Certainly. you know. Um. So the person will receive a yang or a yin, augmenting Chinese. <laughs> or Chinese medicine, um, usually including herbs, um, antler of um. P- Pylos antler or deer tail, um, and tiger penis, deer penis, or fur seal penis. Ooh, um, your so, pick, tasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a uh, bit of homeopathy there. So basically, the only way to cure small penis syndrome or retracting penis syndrome is uh, eating a tiger penis or a deer penis or a fur seal penis. Nice. When you have that penis. That's how it works, right? <laughs> Eat it becomes Say that one pain. again. Just, I'm going to give you another one, another take on, on that we one. We can edit out the silence in between that. Right. No, I stay, here we go. I stay, um, I stay committed to my bit. Yep. All right. Uh, I have grown as a person because of it. Uh huh. Do you yeah. want to do another take? Let me just, uh, Curtis Lang reading for Curtis Lang on the role of unfeatured articles. Uh, just take that one line again. Um, if you eat the tiger penis, you, you get that penis for you and that's a wrap thank you very much <laughs> thank you for coming in that's I'll right, have man. my people talk yeah, to your lovely, people lovely. lovely that's you all you can just tell me now can I, can I just have the role or? oh look it's a bit of a process it's been a big day it's been a big day a lot of candidates they don't I know um, okay so the first reported case in China oh yeah um, as early as the as the as early as the late 19th century classic um, uh, earliest uh, there was a l- a, um, a series of epidemic outbursts in 1948, 1955, 1966, and 1974 um, when there was a lot of kind of tension surrounding the disaster. Um, the last widespread incident uh, or last widespread outbreak of it was uh, 84 and 85. Mm. Um, there was a really, really small one in, uh, no pun intended, in <laughs> 1987. Um, uh, in Southeast Asia, um, an epidemic struck Singapore in uh, 1967, which yeah. lasted for um, 10 days. Newspaper initially reported the, uh, that some people developed cholera after eating the meat of pigs inoculated with a vaccine for swine influenza. Mm. Oh, God. Swine flu. That's it. And when we all thought we were going to die of swine flu, 2009 was a time. Yeah. My sister had bird flu. Oh, oh no. Was yeah, that was funny. Well, Coro. Yeah. So that's Intriguing. Coro. Fun yeah. times. Well, mate, uh, that's uh, have you done yours yet, Curtis? Yeah, I did babies. That's baby shoes. That's right. Oh yeah. Not have, I, have, have I infected you? Is it like contagious? I think yeah, so. This, this is a bit of a low episode for us. Isn't <laughs> a bit it? of an energy. To the oh, room. we've come down. It's It's um, all good. That's all right. I'm just worn out from talking about sex robots. Sex robots, man. Sexy robots. robots. A lot. Um, let's vote on them. Yes. So I did. Flash Fiction, which yep. is uh, For Sale Baby Shoes Never Worn. Mm-hmm. My boy Jim, Jimmy Key did Sex Robots. I did. And Riley did Coro. Coro. Shrinking. I'm voting for Sex Robots. I'm going to vote for Short Story, Flash Fiction. Yeah, yeah Flash Fiction stuck me. Oh, Flash me. Fiction. Oh, what? Got me rough. Dunsky. I know we decided we wouldn't vote for Curtis anymore, but that one. Oi! <laughs> Ow. How could you? <laughs> uh, 
Dude, sex robots. <laughs> I know, sex robots, yeah. Yeah, man, sex I'm, robots. I'm sorry, I'm the sorry, I'll let you down. pick. I know. Lose with some grace. I'm yeah. just saying, like... For sale, baby shoes, never worn. Put it in the annals. I think it's because I read an article the other day that was, you know, really sad about a... Um, a dead baby? A, a, about a, a, a botched um, labour or something like that. It made me really sad the other day. Oh, no. And I think, oh. I think this has just brought that back up. Thanks, sir. Um, Thanks for that fun anecdote, oh, right? Dang. Oh, Cheers gosh. For that. Sorry, I didn't realise we were just the fun podcast. It's Wikipedia. There's a lot of stuff on Wikipedia. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll do Got like a, a mini se- series because we don't know what we're gonna do next after this bracket. We're still deciding. Maybe we'll do like a mini series of just like really sad shit. Maybe we'll never want to see each other again. <laughs> yeah, maybe, 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 maybe. Anyway, <laughs> so that's the episode. And sad thank time, you. boys. Sad time, boys. Sad time, boys. That's well, us. Thank you to that's what kind of productions for having us on their network. Uh, you can find all their shows. Uh, online, you can find our show and all of them on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all of your different things. You we Curtis? promised the other ones were a bit more upbeat than this. Yeah, this was a bit of a weird episode for us. No, but it's we, lovely. We had, was a good episode. we had fun. There was some good stuff. It's only weird it's if you call stuff. it weird. Um, okay, yeah, well, no. We've done that. In a couple of weeks, uh, we'll be performing live as part of the Good Time Boys, uh, our comedy group. Um, we'll be doing a, a show with Vinicarva's Fresh Blood yes. Festival. Um, uh, and yeah, there, we'll put some details uh, about that in the show notes. Um, and uh, if you're down on the Gold Coast or if you're around that area, you can come up to the Short and Sweet Festival at the uh, Gold Coast Art Centre where we'll be performing uh, one of our short plays, uh, The Duke of Zest, mm. which is uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Indeed. Really good play, that one. Yeah. Written by Alex Smith, man, Alex of, the, man, Smith. Of, the, man of the people. Our Love that good boy. friend. Our good friend. Yeah. Um, good guy. Dates for that will become uh, more apparent as uh, time goes on, but we will put uh, details in the show notes, as I've already said. We'll yes. keep you posted. We'll probably keep, we'll keep plugging it on here as well. We'll keep plugging so. it. Uh, yeah. Um, you, can, you can find all our previous episodes on... Um, did you already do this, Ben? I did. Okay, we did. No, well, yeah, we can did. find all the episodes on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or any other podcatcher of your choice. Okay, I'm done now. Cool. Our theme song is Purgatorian Friends uh, by Kevin McLeod. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, spread around with your friends if you like it. And as always, browse responsibly. And drink responsibly. Okay, so you find yourself in a rustic tavern. It's lit by a fire and a half and a grumpy looking bartender. And uh, I rule to crime. What? I rule to crime. Oh, crime. I'm proficient. I assist. Sweet. I rule to crime with advantage. Okay, all right. What crime exactly are you committing? Uh, to steal the hearts of everyone listening to us right now. No, I take it back. <laughs> Laura Disorder is a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast where the worst kind of people team up to rid the world of slightly more worse people. It's a whole thing. We're not the worst. Follow us on iTunes or on your podcatcher of choice. Find us online at that'snotcanonproductions.com or find Law and Disorder on Facebook and Twitter. And now, on with the game. A That's Not Canon Productions podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.